Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. Ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open arms. Let the ancient words in Hallelujah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the miracle of changed lives. We thank you that from these testimonies we are hearing that the blood of your son Jesus was not shed in vain. We pray that we shall grasp and embrace this new lifestyle of walking in the consciousness of the completed work of Christ, the power of his redemption in the new creation. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord. God is good. And all the time. See, it's good to hear these testimonies because it brings to the forefront the reality of the spiritual life in Christ. Amen. You know, um, if we don't see and hear about the miracle of changed lives, the Christian life can easily become boring. Amen. Or it could easily become like a social group that you belong to. Because if we don't talk about salvation and we don't talk about what is going on in the inner man of a person, then it becomes the same old, same old with nothing spiritual going on. Hallelujah. And so um, we pray that this will inspire all of us and we will participate and engage in bringing people to Christ or if you have not fully and completely changed, you yourself, the, the, the messages will, will change your heart. Amen. John chapter 3 verse 27, that is the scripture of the week. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from above. John 3, 27. Amen. So let's go. John 3, 27. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from above. John 3, 27. Hallelujah. One day, people came to John the Baptist and they asked him, you see, the man who came to you for baptism in the Jordan that you spoke about, he is also baptizing a lot of people and actually baptizing more than you are. Because were, these were people who were followers of John the Baptist. And they thought John is going to be jealous that Jesus' ministry is growing faster than his. Hallelujah. But John the Baptist made this statement. A man can receive nothing except it be given him from above. The works of the of the Lord, the words of ministry and the impact that you can have. It's not something that you can do by your charisma because some people have a charisma around them. But if you're going to have any lasting fruit 
or to, to have a change in people that will last forever, it has to be given to you from above. Hallelujah. That is why we press in into God, into the word of God, into the anointing. Because if you are preaching with, the, with mind power, the, uh, if, if you are highly intellectual with mind power, you can only reach people's minds. You can only reach the minds of people. Hallelujah. But if you preach with the power of the Spirit, then the preaching can penetrate to the hearts of people. Are you with me? Today we want to um, talk about the new creation. Amen. The new creation. Because we just finished the passion of the Christ which culminated in the resurrection of Christ. Is that not so? Um, it is not an annual festival. Hallelujah. Christ dying on the cross is not a merely an annual festival that comes and goes and then after that we forget about it. Are you there? Christ dying on the cross has implications for how we live our lives from here and now and, and forward. And so we're going to talk about the new creation. Amen. Let's start with Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Every person who has become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, every person who had not just... Because when, when it's Good Friday, it's easy to feel sorry for Christ. You know, as you, as you watch the, 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 the um, story about Christ and his suffering, or you listen to it. I mean, you can easily feel sorry for him. But, you know, in one of the Gospels, Jesus turned to look at the women who were, who were weeping. He said, woman of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourself and who? Are we awake this morning? I am talking about the new creation. Amen. Are you with me? Are you here or you've gone home? We thank the Lord. He said, weep not for me, but weep for who? Yourself and your children. So Colossians chapter 1, we are going to start from verse 12. I'm talking about the new creation. The one you receive Christ, something has happened to you. And I want all of us to be drawn into the consciousness of the new creation. Like you are aware that you are in the new creation. Amen. When somebody dies, you know, they have, how do you call it, um, annual anniversaries that are done. Is that not so? Are there some standard anniversaries? I know at least there's a one year. Is that not so? First, there's one week. Is that right? 40 days. And then what? Yeah, so sometimes, so, so one year, one week, 40 days. And sometimes, um, the, after the 40 days, then you have the final funeral rites, right? Sometimes it can also happen before the 40 days. All right. And then one year. But I don't know, after one year, is there any other official? 10 years. And then after that, what? They've forgotten about you. You only exist in the memories of people's minds. Amen. So one week, 40 days, one year, 10 years. Okay. And then what? If you are lucky, they will celebrate anniversary of your birthday. If you have property, they will do what? 10 years. Okay. What happens to the property? They share it. Oh, after 10 years. Oh, by one year. Amen. Why am I saying that? You see, if you are almighty God and you have sent your son to pay a price, to, to, and the price, when you are paying a price, if, you are, if, you, if your head is on, right? If your head is on, and you are paying a price, what are you hoping to get? So you are going to, hoping to get something back. 
whoever goes to a, a, a shopping mall and then you know you see a, a, a line of people in, in a in a cashier lane and you you get there right you're not holding anything and it's okay yes my money two hundred dollars and you walk away with nothing i mean if you do that <laughs> what are they going to think you are not correct upstairs amen everyone that is paying the price is expecting something back hallelujah and the highest price that was ever paid in any transaction is the price of the blood of Christ. In fact, the, re- the word redemption, it means to buy back. Amen. So you see, if the price that was paid was the blood of Christ, what is God getting back in return for it? The source of people, hallelujah. Amen. Now, let me give you a scenario. If you are, who is the richest person here? Brother Kweku, yes, of course. Brother Kweku, <laughs> why did I even have to ask? <laughs> All right. So suppose, let's say after Brother Kweku, you don't say these things and go score for you. When you bring yourself, we will propose something for you to do. So let's say on a hypothetical Sunday, which could easily be, become this Sunday today. After church, Brother Kweku said, okay, Brother Ishmael, I forgot to give this announcement to you. Can you announce that after church? I am spreading everybody here. We are, we are taking, I'm taking you to where? Which restaurant is big enough to accommodate all of us? Where? Sakura. Hey, <laughs> please, where is it? Oh, okay, okay. Brother Kwaku, do you know the address? I'm not joking. <laughs> so, so you have enough money, because you see, when you make an open invitation, right? Like you are doing a wedding and you make an open invitation, everybody can come. You better have a lot to do, my friend. Because you don't know how many are coming. You have to budget for whoever shows up. So if you have this much money and you've already made a reservation, 100 people are coming, okay? And they say, you know, Sundays, you know, we have a lot of people making reservations. We really can't be sure. I mean, we can't reserve the seats and you don't come. And then we also can't cook the food. And what if the people don't come? And so what we are going to do is that we are going to take your credit card. You get it. And then we are going to charge you for 100 people, whether they come or not. And Brother Kwaku said, okay, look, we've done our homework. We've talked to people. We know people are coming. And so go ahead and charge. If we go, and then after church, we announce, Madam Sally says, I'm going to east side to do something. <laughs> but Adarit said, oh, my wife needs me to go to the west side to do something. And people start balancing off and balancing, and only 12 people show up at the place. Brother Kwaku, how are you going to feel? You are going to just tell it go. Cynthia. Hey. <laughs> can, can you go and talk to that boy over there? Your father-in-law is here. That you are, you are, you are wasting money in this Columbus. <laughs> Amen. But Elvis, if you want to tell some sense into that boy's head, what would you say? <laughs> Amen. You are not going to. I mean, if you have paid for a certain number of people, but only a few show up. It feels like you've wasted money. Do you get it? And bring this to the price that Christ paid for our salvation. If God paid the price of the life of his son, you get it. For how many people? The scripture says, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that up to 200,000 people who believe in him will be saved. 
That scripture says, whosoever. That's an, it's a variable that is like a moving variable. Any number can fit there. And so that when you think of Christ look, looking for the rewards of his life that he shed, his blood that he shed, and then you give him a smaller number than it's like you have shortchanged him. Hallelujah. Amen. Have you ever gone to buy something? Like when I was growing up, there was a, there was a tin they used to measure sugar and gary. It's like a margarine tin. Do you get it? Blue band. Thank you very much. <laughs> if you pay for the one tin of blue band, and you go home and you put it in your container or something, and you see that it looks like 75% of, the, of the, the size, because they've punched under the thing. Have you seen that before? Has that ever happened to you? There are people who cheat. They, they've punched under the so that what you paid for is not what you are getting. My friends, when we speak about the blood of Christ and we speak about salvation, we speak about souls, and we speak about the effect and what God was looking for, it is a sad note that believers have now departed from the preaching of salvation and departed from, from the, the original intent of God. And we have departed from what Christ paid for. And, and instead, we are looking for the byproducts. We are looking for the other blessings that come with being in God. Hallelujah. But if you listen to this testimony, the original intent of God is to look for the miracle of changed lives. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me, somebody? It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Okay. So, first of all, the starting point for you to, for you to have a course of action. See, sometimes in school, when you write papers, write uh, uh, papers at school. One of the things that they, they, they use to grade you, to, to, to show that you've written a good paper, especially if it is a, 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 like a, an opinionated topic, a debate or an, a, a type of discussion type of topic, they will tell you that at the end of, a, of your, if you, if you get a poor grade, one of the reasons why you get a poor grade is that the teacher will tell you there was no call to action at the end of your paper. Like, you wrote, you said a lot of things, but there was no call to action. Do you understand call to action? Like, after you said all these things, what are you supposed to do with what you said? Hallelujah. And the call to action after Christ has come and has shed his blood, the starting point is that, look, first, we must acknowledge what has happened to us. So we give thanks for what? He has delivered us. Let's go back to verse 12. Thanks to the Father for doing what? Qualifying us. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. We have to see ourselves that in the new creation, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, which we are not going to read because most of you know it. What does it say? 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is what? In Christ. He is a what? A new creation. The old one have what? Passed. All things have become what? New. Amen. So for that reason, think of thanking the Father for qualifying us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Like, well, the word qualifying, like we did not qualify. Hallelujah. It's like a professor who said, okay, the, the pass mark is what? 75%. And he, he, the professor noticed that about 60% of the class, they go below 75%. Amen. And so, if he uses that pass mark, only 60, 40% are going to pass. Are you, are you following? And so, the, 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 they, may, they may lower the passing score. Do you get it? 
or curved in such a way that majority can pass. God did something for us that qualified us to become what? The inheritance of the saints in life. Do you know in certain, in certain circles, certain churches, you can only become a saint after you die. Did you know that? In the Catholic Church, have you heard of a living saint? You have to die and there are a lot of protocols that have to be followed. But the scripture is saying that the people that he was, the Paul was writing to, do you think they were dead? If they were dead, how could they read the letter? Amen. Brother Joe, what do you think? They were alive. So he says that God has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. So in other words, you, whoever you are, whatever your background is, you are now called a saint. Hallelujah. Next verse. We are talking about the new creation. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. You may not know, but there are powers in this universe. There are powers that control things. And the power of darkness is real. Amen. The power of darkness is real. When you become a believer, a certain hold on your life has been broken. The hold of powers of darkness over your life has been broken. You ought not to walk in fear anymore. This is one of the benefits that Christ bought for us. That when you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have what? You have been delivered from what? The power of darkness. The, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created what? The heaven and the earth. And the earth was what? Without form and void. And then the Bible said, and what? Darkness was on what? On the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering or brooding over the darkness. Is that not so? And then God spoke and said what? Let there be light. The next verse says what? And God divided the light from the darkness. So right from Genesis, you see that you see that light and darkness cannot coexist. And when people want to do bad things, do they want to do it in the light or they want to do it in the darkness? They want to do it in the darkness. So to be delivered from the power of darkness, it has two meanings. One is that you yourself, a lifestyle of darkness, a lifestyle of things that you are doing that do not please God, you've been delivered from it. Hallelujah. But then beyond that, there is the administrator and supervisor of all powers of darkness, who is the devil, whose power is seeking to destroy your life. Amen. And who has agents? Because the devil, unlike God, God is what? There are three things we learned in Catechism about God. God is what? Omnipotent. God is what? Omniscient. And God is omnipresent. Hallelujah. So, omnipotent means what? He's all-powerful. God is omniscient means what? All-knowing. He knows all things. Then God is omnipresent means what? He's everywhere. Now, none of these three things apply to the devil. Are you not happy about that? If the devil was omnipresent, then with what sometimes we bring our life into, which will attract the devil, even if he is in Rome, he will run and come to you. But thank God he's not omnipresent. Hallelujah. The devil is also not omniscient. He doesn't know all things. But sometimes he can guess. He can, he can sense things. How many know that sometimes you can walk into a room? You don't know what has transpired before you got there, but you can feel the atmosphere. As soon as you got there, something clicked. Like, what is going on around here? Amen. So the devil has a way of sensing. But the good news is that the devil doesn't have absolute power over all things. Amen. Amen. However, he's got agents. 
knowing that he's not omnipresent, he cannot be everywhere at the same time, he has agents. Hallelujah. A long time ago, I watched a play by a group called New Creation. And I'm trying to remember the title of the play. I think it was See How the Dev- See How They Run. Yes, yeah, See How They Run. Now, that, that is See How the Demons Run. Hallelujah. And in one scene of the play, the, the demons had a meeting. And their leader was giving them instructions as to how they should go and get people. Do you get it? But you see, when they got to believers who are prayerful and got to believers who are burning in fire for God, they couldn't touch them. They couldn't do anything to them. Are you there? And then, their leader said, you know what you can do? He said, steal their joy. If you can steal their joy, because the Bible said that joy of the Lord is what? It's our strength. So if, if the devil can steal your joy, then he will weaken you. Hallelujah. And all these things are done by agents of the devil who are part of the kingdom of darkness and the power of darkness. But the happiness and the joy and the good news is that when we became Christians, when we gave our lives to Christ, he delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Amen. Is this something you appreciate? You see, if you are, if you are young and naive and you don't know what is, how the world is like, you will not appreciate the scripture. But there are real powers that administer things in the universe. But Christ, by his blood, has actually removed the power, the ability of the powers of darkness to have what? Unfettered access to you. Now, you only have to, you have to open the door. You have to, you have to deliberately or, 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 or unconsciously open the door before Satan can have access to you. You are not just like a free uh, chicken running around that anybody, anything can happen to you. Hallelujah. These are the benefits of the power of Christ's redemption. Okay, let's keep going. In whom we have redemption through his blood. We have redemption through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. And verse 15. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We're going to uh, end in this passage here. Christ is the image of the invisible God and is the firstborn over all creation. Some other translations say he's the firstborn of all creatures. Hallelujah. Why is that language being used? Because there, there were people... Were people not born before Christ came into the world? So why is Christ being described as the firstborn of all creation? It is because this creation that the scripture is talking about, the emphasis is on the, on the new creation that God is making. Hallelujah. That when Christ died and he went into the regions of the dead. Amen. And then on the third day, the spirit of God and the glory of God went and brought him back. The Bible said we died with him. Amen. When you become a believer... What you are doing is that you are, you are accepting what Christ has already done for us before you were even born. That before you were born 2,000 years ago, Christ died on the cross. When he died, where did he go? When they, as they carried his body, hmm, as they carried his body into the tomb, where did his soul go? He went into the land of the dead. He ascended into hell, the place where you and I should have gone to. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? And then, and then the Bible is saying that when he rose from the dead, he rose together. We rose together with him. Even though you were not there. Now, let me ask you a question. Adam, when he and his wife had this nice apple and they were chewing, were you there? But Agaps, did you chew part of the apple? Why are you then? Why, why are you then? Because this apple is the cause of all our problems, isn't it? 
if you are not if you are not there with them chewing the apple why why is it that you say that because of the apple sin has come into the world and now it has affected you is that fair is that Eunice it's a mystery so so it's a mystery so it's a Eunice is that a fair thing that somebody wants to chew their apple and now I am part of I'm, I'm part of it because you descended from that somebody that thing is in the DNA that has passed along hallelujah don't you know that when you go to the hospital, sometimes when they are asking you, they are glad to take your history, medical history. They ask you, is there somebody in your family with this and that and that? They are trying to map you. Do you get it? That if you have people with this and this and that, does somebody have this? Because the chances of you having it from a biological standpoint is very high if you decide from that line. Are you following what we are saying? So the eating of the apple, it changed the very DNA of Adam and Eve. It changed them. And if we believe in the Bible, is there Bible believers here? Is there people, are there people who believe in the literal scripture that all human beings walking the planet literally descended from Adam and Eve? If we do, then whatever happened to Adam and Eve after they ate the fruit, it came down to us. Hallelujah. So now, let's fast forward. Because when you read the book of Romans, you are told that there are, there are two Adams. The first Adam and the last Adam. It doesn't even say the second Adam. It doesn't say the second Adam because when it says the second Adam, it implies that there's a third Adam coming. But it's the first Adam and the last Adam. Who is the first Adam? Husband of Eve. The chewer of the apple. <laughs> and, then, and then, who is the last Adam? Jesus Christ. He is called the last Adam because Adam in this sense represents the ancestor of a type of human race. Amen. So the, the first Adam brought out a what? A fallen human race. But then the last Adam, when he took death and took the punishment for, for sin, for all mankind, okay, I'm explaining to you what has happened to you in your redemption. Amen. When he did that, he went, the Bible said we died with him. When Christ was dying on the cross, Brother Daniel, were you there? I mean, we know John was there. Right? John the apostle was there. You know you are a disciple. Brother Steve, were you there when Christ was dying on the cross? Brother Kweku, we know Brother Kweku was there. <laughs> we know Brother Kweku. That's why I'm not even bothering to ask him. We know he was there. But why does the scripture say when Christ died, we died with him? Because we are his descendants. We, are, we descended from Christ. What made us descend from Christ? By believing in Christ. So you see, you see the equation. In Adam, all men died. In Adam, all men, by, by, by virtue of biological descent, we what? Descended and inherited the sins of Adam. But then God said, you know what? I am going to put a stop to this, for, to this perpetual death. That if anyone will believe in the work that the last Adam will do, okay? Because on the, on the first Adam, you don't have to decide to be a sinner. As a matter of fact, little children like, uh, like uh, uh, Levi and Co., they already know how to hide things. Do you get it? Because that thing has been inherited. So that on, in the case of Adam's sins, you don't have to, when you are born, you don't have to say, okay, I want to participate in Adam's sins, so count me in. Everything uh, that, that, no, it, it has come already with the territory. So in order to reverse that, there has to be what? A deliberate conscious choice. That look, I have seen what has happened to Adam and his descendants. Now, if there's a new Adam that has come, who has the ability and the power to stop the, 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 the continuation of that thing, all I need to do is to accept and believe it. By accepting and believing it, now 
once you have believed in Christ, what has happened is that the death that Christ died on the cross, spiritually speaking, you were in him in the dying. Hallelujah. So then, it's a, so the first Adam's descendants are biological descendants. But the last Adam's descendants are spiritual descendants. Because he is what? The firstborn of all creation, of a new creation, from a spiritual lineage. It's a spiritual lineage that is now forming. Hallelujah. There are only two races on the earth. Not blacks and whites or Asians, no. There are only two races. The two races are what? Descendants of the first Adam and descendants of the last Adam. That's it. Regardless of your color, your height, your shape, your whatever, we all come under these two. And from God's anger, that is what he sees. Whether if you have received Christ, now the lineage that Christ started, he is the firstborn, it means that others are following. Hallelujah. And so then, if we come into this new lineage of Christ, then we have rights and we have responsibilities. Put your hands together unto the Lord. We are talking about the new creation. We are talking about the fact that when you become a Christian, something real and tangible has happened to you. You see, sometimes after surgery, you have to live differently. Amen. There's a scripture in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36. Let's look at Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. We are talking about the new creation, the reality of the new creation. If we don't think about it, if we, go, we don't deliberate over it, if we don't think through about it, then we will just be in the church and we will just be believers without knowing what it means to be a believer. In Ezekiel, the Lord prophesied and made a statement. He said, I will give you a new heart. Amen. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Hallelujah. He's talking about the spirit, the heart. God was not talking about removing the physical hearts of the Israelites. And in this passage, God was pointing to a day will come. A day will come in the future. That I have, after I have sent my son and he has died on the cross, if you only you place your faith in him, that you can participate in what he did for you by placing your faith in him. You are dead with him. You are buried with him. You are raised from the dead with him. When Christ was raised from the dead, spiritually speaking, we were all raised from the dead. That is why death has no power over you. Hallelujah. Death and its power and sin and anything that the devil sowed in Adam, first Adam, has no power over you. Because if you can imagine and place yourself that when Christ was being buried, you were with him there. Hallelujah. And therefore, as he was raised in glory, you participate in his glory. Amen. He said that I will give you a new heart. What has happened to us, my friends, is like we have undergone a spiritual surgery. When you become a believer, you have undergone a spiritual surgery. And then what has happened is that God has done what? He has given you a spiritual transplant, a spiritual heart transplant. The new creation means that God has given you a new heart. Not the biological heart. Your spirit man has been created anew. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? As a believer, this is what has happened to you. So if somebody should ask you, you say you are a believer. You say you have given yourself to Christ. But I don't see any change. First of all, many of us, yesterday when I went to the uh, funeral, the, the preacher talked about how we spend so much time on our physical body. Amen. But you see, when a person is born again, your physical body doesn't ch- is not what has been changed. The new creation is an inward work. Hallelujah. So if you do not have a lot of hair and you become born again, 
your your hair doesn't grow because you now you are you are, you are changed person. Because the scriptures are all things are one pass away, things have become new. Are you <laughs> are you listening to me? Your body re- will remain the same. I have a, a support over here, <laughs> but Isaac, he's my supporter here. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Are you there? So we are going to take some real quick things down, a few quick things about the new creation. The new creation is not a new creation of your body. Write these things down. The new creation is not a new creation of your body. People who are born again have not changed in their bodies. So if you are five, five uh, what, feet six, and you get born again, you are still going to become five feet six. If you are not lucky, you can even grow shorter. One day I went to see the doctor and I stood on the thing where they, they, they checked my, my height. And it was a little shorter than the, the, the height in my passport. I said, man, this is not the height because you see when you're doing a passport, if you, especially if you do a passport many years ago. Do you get it? The height there, I said, mm, please measure it again. She said, this ma- machine, this thing is accurate. So your height, you can easily shrink. After you are born again, if you are not lucky. Amen. Your body has not changed, but something has changed within you. Are you listening to me? Number two, the new creation is not a renovated old creation. See, when we talk about the new creation, please understand what has really happened to you. Somebody was undergone surgery, and now you come out of the surgery. We are now explaining to you what has happened. Do you get it? We are now explaining to you that because of the surgery, this is the new person that you have become. Now, this surgery is a spiritual heart transplant that God has taken our what? Old heart. He has taken our hardened heart, our stony heart, and he has placed the nature of Christ within you. Don't tell me you cannot forgive. You are not just tapping into the forgiver who lives in you. Christ is the forgiver who lives in you. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? And so now, after you have become a believer... There has been a change if only you have truly accepted Christ. If you have and have confessed your sins and asked him to forgive you, that change is a tangible spiritual reality that has happened in you. Hallelujah. The new creation is not a renovated old creation. You can have somebody can have an old dilapidated car. Do you get it? Have you seen somebody say, somebody say, don't mind the body? Because maybe the engine is good. Amen. The new creation is different. It's not that somebody has gone to do a refurbishing work on a car and now it looks new. How many know you can call it a new car? As a matter of fact, somebody can buy a car that is what? 2000 uh, whatever car and say, oh, have you seen my new car? When they say that, it could mean two things. What are the two things? I've just bought a car which I did not have before. The car itself can be 40 years old, but it is new because it's new in his life or new in her life. Do you get it? But then when somebody says, I bought a new car, if it is new as in brand new, as in what? Rubber brand new. The smell. That one is what? Fresh from the factory. Hallelujah. Are you the, the, even that one, somebody can argue. By the time you drove it from the factory to your house, it's not new anymore. So whilst it is still there, that's when it is new. I'm saying that when the Bible said we are a new creation, it is not a refurbishing work that God did. God didn't take our old corrupted Adamic nature and try to refurbish it. You know, what are some of the things people do to refurbish things? Like if it's a house, you know, you, you can paint some things and it, it will look completely new. One day it was my birthday 
uh, over a weekend. When I came to when I came to a church on Sunday, my whole office was made completely new, and it blessed my heart. They had done some painting, they had some things there, and it was a but it is it was the same what office. When you become a new creation, it's not that God has taken your old Adamic nature which has, has sin in it. No, God has taken it away and has placed something new completely. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Okay? The new creation is not an improved version of the old creation. The new creation is not an improved version of the old creation. You see how we have, uh, uh, what do you call it, iOS. They are always releasing new phones, okay? Now, iPhone, what was the first one? iPhone, and then iPhone what? Four. Three. It started with three, and then went to four. 3G, okay, 4, 4S, 5, 5S, 5C, 6, 6S, 6S plus, 7, 7 plus, we have 8. And what's the latest one? X. 10. So you see that, you see that the same iPhone, every now and then, what do they do? They find some new features that people are looking for. Is that not so? So, so? so they will introduce a new iPhone, which has all that the previous one could do, plus new things. Yeah. Amen. When, Christ, when we got saved in Christ, it was not an improved version of you. When you give your life to Christ, basically what has happened is that it's like you take, you take a very strong vacuum, spiritual vacuum cleaner, and you suck out the old self, which is from the Adamic nature. And it is taken out completely, and God puts a whole new you inside. Amen. It, the, the, the whole change is like, it's like those days when we used to send messages by, what do you call it, Telegram. Hmm? Many of you didn't see Telegrams. Where communication was by Telegram or by faxes. And it has not jumped to a, a whole new technology. Which is the, it's like it's night and day. There, there's no comparison between how with a click you can send a message to so many people. Whereas if you had a, 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 a fax, you have to stand there and be punching numbers like that. What I'm telling you is that the new creation is not an improved version of the original you. I want somebody say, well, but I don't see, I, I don't see uh, any change. Well, the body physical change aside, sometimes you yourself know when it comes to behavior, you know that. It's like you can't help it. I mean, you feel like saying what's on your mind and telling people off. And, and, and a lot of people can't hang out with you for long because after a little bit, they realize that this person, eh, when they get angry, you don't want to be nearby. All that are remnants of the old nature. The new nature of Christ is still there. If you are born again, it is there. You just need to cultivate it. Hallelujah. You, it's not that you are not capable of loving. It's not true that you are not capable of forgiving. It is not true that you are not capable of stopping drinking. None of those are true. Because the new nature that God has given you has actually replaced the old nature. Except that the devil, eh, the devil, eh, he lies to bring the dead to scare us. The old man that continues to sin is dead. That old man is dead. It has been buried. But we like talking to the dead, which is necromancy. We like talking to the old nature. God is calling us into a new life in Christ, whereby we become more aware of the nature of Christ within us. Hallelujah. Amen. The apostle said that 
He said that I am crucified with Christ. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Maybe let's put that up. And then Galatians 2 and verse 20. The new creation is a brand new thing that never existed before. Are you looking for it? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It means what? If you are crucified, it means you are dead. It is no longer I who live. The problem we have is that the I part is too strong in us. When are we willing to give up our I self nature so that the nature of Christ will come out? It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God is calling us to live by faith. Live by faith in the Son of God. Live by the reality that I am a new creature. There is a new life of Christ in me. God, it will be unfair for God to ask us to live a lifestyle that he hasn't given us the tools and the means to do so. Hallelujah. But Elvis, is it fair for a school teacher to go and test people on things that you haven't taught them, you haven't shown them a way to do it, and then you are testing them and then you are failing them? Is that fair? If we can say that about human, the Bible says God is a fair and righteous judge. So if God is calling us to a higher life and God is calling us to a holy life, it is because he knows he has made the provision that Christ liveth in me. And if Christ liveth in me, I just need to say no to myself and say yes to Christ. That everything that the Christian life and the new creation calls for, none of them is too hard for us. If only we are willing to die to self and let the life of Christ in us come out. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Stand up to your feet and begin to give thanks. If you are in our midst, you have not begun this journey. You have not committed your life to Christ. You don't even know what this whole thing is about. Well, Christ has paid the price. There's no means, there's no need for you to keep waiting. God wants to give you new life and the starting of a new life in Christ. And God is asking us, surrender, yield. Lift up your hand and say, Lord, I yield myself to you. Receive Christ. Ask for forgiveness and he will start you afresh in a new life. If you are a believer already, and maybe you are not too sure, like the question was posed to the guy, if God was to come today, would you go to heaven or hell? If you are not 100% sure where you would go, lift up your hand and you can be sure today. If you think you are sure, but you have never ever in your life surrendered to Christ, ask for forgiveness of sins, and ask for the blood of Christ to wash you, then you are deceiving yourself. We give you thanks. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I want you to pray with me. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my Savior, for the power of your redemption, for the power of the cross. I believe Christ died for me, for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe he was raised again from the dead in order to make me righteous. Now give me your grace to walk every day in the power of the new creation and to live a life that glorifies Jesus in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may take your seats. We are going to take our second offering and our tithes. Our first